This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Joy 94.9, Friday morning show with Leo. From 1987 until 1994, Hey Dad was Australia's most successful sitcom, spanning over eight seasons. My next guest on the show should have had a great time as a child in Hey Dad, but that great opportunity turned into a nightmare for my next guest. As a young child, Sarah Monaghan went through things that no child should ever have to go through. Sarah has finally released her much-anticipated book, Allegedly. Welcome to Joy 94.9, Sarah Monaghan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, you've been in Sydney the last week doing press. Despite everything, what you've been through, is it good to be home? Yeah, although I'm sad that I missed out on, uh, I think I arrived right as the game lesbian Mardi Gras was over, so I should have planned that better. But no, it's been awesome. I love Sydney. I mean, it's home. So I always, you know, you come in, you see the flight, you come in and always see the Harbour Bridge and there's always that little flutter inside. Yeah, because we were actually in Sydney, actually, broadcasting live online from Sydney. So you missed a, a great parade this year. It was fantastic. Oh, I think I can find it online. You can, do. If you go to sbs.com.au, there should be a, like a, a replay on there. Cool. Now, where do we start? Because you have been through so much in your life. Uh, you nearly died before you were two years old. Yes. My goodness. Yeah, I drowned in the in the next door neighbor's fish pond for, and I was clinically dead for twelve minutes, which was somewhat of a record at the time. Uh, but it, thankfully, it was freezing cold water, so I didn't get uh, really bad brain damage. And that led you to, I guess, complications with with growing. I guess. Yeah, because Dad was a fashion designer, and he was doing kids' clothing at the time, which meant that I could do his clothes. And then uh, I went from there and was doing other people's clothes. And because I was so small, I could model clothes on ki- for kids that were much, much smaller. And I was much more patient than they were and wasn't chucking temper tantrums in the middle of a shoot. And you were doing all these commercials and TV ads and stuff. And as a child, what was that like for you at the time? I think I thought it was fun because, you know, it was something new and different all the time. And then sometimes it was boring because some of the, the places we went weren't ideal and you know I mean sometimes it's long days or you're just doing stuff that isn't that fun but I had a whole group of kids that were modeling at the same time and we all knew each other like it was a really tight circle kind of I guess now like Kendall Jenner and Gigi Hadid have their own little you know posse and we had our own posse back then of other kids models and we'd see each other all the time so that was fun. And of course, that said you into into good um, practice doing, I guess, Hey Dad, you auditioned for the role and you got the part because you were a bit older, but you, you looked younger. So it was, it was in your good benefit. <laughs> yeah, because they wanted a four-year-old and um, I was six, um, and, but I looked four. So they were like perfect because I could read and they could work me that extra couple hours a day. But yeah, that's how I got the part. When you're auditioning um, for Hey Dad and doing the pilot and doing those first few episodes, your dad took you to the set and was looking after you. And your dad passed away before you got, he got to see you on screen, which was awful. Yeah. Um, and because I lost my dad about three years ago. So losing a parent mm. is tough, but I can't imagine what you went through 
Yeah, I was nine when he died, and um, we'd just done the first series, and uh, he never thought got to go to air, which was kind of a shame. But he was so excited. Like, he loved me being an actress. And I remember, because I, I did um, Sons and Daughters right before he died, and, you know, it was a soapy, and it was a I didn't want to do it. Even like as a nine year old, I didn't want to do it. And I had, I was the, like, the only time I think I ever threw a fit as a kid. And uh, he was like, it's great. It's great. It's going to be good on your resume. Just do it. It's only for like a few episodes. Um, so he was like, he was just thrilled. And then, yeah, he never saw it. And then it was hard because you're on a TV show called Hey Dad. And so you spend the next several years of your life where everyone's screaming out, Hey Dad, Hey Dad, Hey Dad. And it's always reminding you that you don't have one. As a child, I mean, losing your dad like that, what did he teach you at the time? He taught me to dress for comfort, not for style. <laughs> um, he uh, he always told me to um, just be comfortable in myself. And I, I was kind of a daddy's girl. But he told me to always never judge people, just take people for who they are and just love everyone for who they are. Yeah, you mentioned before about the whole hey dad thing and people would see you on the street and, and doing in-stores and things a lot around Father's Day and there was an in-store where there were thousands of people there and the person doing the in-store asked you what are you going to give your dad for Father's Day and they didn't know that your dad had died. How did you cope with that, Sarah? Because, I mean, constantly being reminded of that. Yeah, well, it was like, like, how did someone not tell this guy, number one? And then Mm. as a kid, you're like, how do I answer this question diplomatically? Because even as a kid, you know, not to make the you know presenter look like an idiot on stage. Um, and so I said flowers. And he was like, well, what do you mean flowers? You know, like, I guess that wasn't manly enough. Um, and I'm like, no, really flowers, move it on. <laughs> and so, you know, he moved on. And then afterwards they would like, you know, her dad died. Because apparently I was the only person in the entire cast who was without a father. Yeah. Um, and thankfully after that, they briefed him. But it was every year we had to go and do Father's Day events. Sarah, during your book, you, you touch on a few times, a lot of the book, your mum and your relationship with your mum isn't great and wasn't great back then. Did you feel a bit alone at the time? Because all these things that are happening on Hey Dad, the star of the show was doing things he shouldn't be doing. You lost your dad. Your mum wasn't really around. Did you feel alone and you couldn't really trust anyone or have that, that close support network? Um, but then I, I looked to other people. Like, I told Simone about it and she was supportive and tried to keep us apart. And she went to Gary Riley, the producer, and told him what was happening. And, of course, the crew were great. Like, I, I took the crew on as, like, a second family. And I was with some of them from right from when we did the pilot all the way to when I was 15. We had some of the same group. So I always had them around and they were super, super supportive and just like brothers and sisters to me. So I still had other people that, you know, you always want your mum because your mum is your mum. You know, not every mum is great um, and not all mums are good mothers. And I just, I guess I had one of those. With Hey Dad, I mean, it was such a huge show. It was running through the roof and the star of the show was doing these things. Looking back, that, that first time where it first happened... What was going through your mind at that moment? Did you feel, am I imagining this? Is this really happening? What do I do? Because he started off being like very handsy. And so people tried to pass that off as, you know, he's just being like a dad. He's just holding you. He's just hugging you. He's just pulling onto, you know, you onto his lap to photo shoot, stuff like that. But then the day that, you know, I'm out the back and he like just, you know, 
pull this penis out. There's no denying it at that point. And I knew exactly what was going on. And I was like, ah, uh, no. And I ran out of the studio and I went and got some on and I said, Robert has just flashed me. Like that was the words. I knew what it was. I knew what flashing was. And I'm like, Robert just flashed me. And um, so she went and, you know, took, went to Gary and all that sort of stuff. So I knew exactly what he was doing. Um, and after that, we knew that he was obviously a predator. And uh, every time he'd try and touch you, it was like just you knew that he was getting off on it. But unfortunately, when you're on camera, there's <laughs> not a lot you can do about it. It was a really tough time. And Simone Buchanan, who, of course, has since then been in, in shows like Blue Healers and, and Neighbours and everything. But she went to the producer at the time and said, look, you know, do something about this. It's not right. Initially, they did. There was no sort of sitting on the lap. You were, yeah, we changed. They, they had yeah. been a meeting with the producer and we did the whole, you know, no sitting on the lap, no more hugging, no more, you know, us being close together. But of course, that's not how predators work. So even if it's not in the script, they're still going to try and work out how to get close to you. And on a TV set, when even though there's a, so many people, people will either turn a blind eye to it or there's always times when someone isn't there. Especially on a Saturday when we were at Channel 7, it was like it was, you could have an empty studio at points. They're always there. The most amazing thing is, reading your story, Sarah, is that the crew, the cast, they knew, but Mm -hmm. nothing happened. Even the executives, the producers knew what he was like. Was there a time where it was like, okay, I've I've told the producer, you know, why aren't we going to the police for this? Um, I guess that everybody just, it was the highest rating show, and so nobody wanted to go to the police. Nobody wanted to rock the boat. Nobody wanted to risk the show going off air because, you know, it was, it was high rating. Everyone had a job. The industry is so small in Australia that if you can find a job, you know, nobody wants to lose it. And so if that means some kid has to suffer because you want to pay your rent, then kind of people just go with that. And of course, the whole time, I mean, you should have had a great time doing a TV show. It should have been the time of your life. But for you, towards the end, it got, you're just over it. You just wanted to get out of it. And and you left Hey Dad. And you actually, um, in the book, you talked about you want to go overseas and not be reminded about Hey Dad. So you had a list of, of, of countries where Hey Dad was screened and you crossed off the countries where it was screened. And you did a student exchange program to a third world country where no one knew you. What was that experience like? What did you take away from that experience? Um, I went to Honduras, which is in Central America, and uh, it was the second poorest country in the Western world. And uh, it was like heaven on earth because nobody knew who I was. I went to a regular school. Um, I got to go and party after school. Like we all just, like I had the most normal childhood and everything that I'd ever hoped that being a normal teenager would be. It was. And then, of course, you know, it's a third world country. So sometimes, you know, there's no running water, you know, toilets don't flush, you can't drink the water. And so now it's like even years and years later, when I turn on a tap and water comes out, I'm like, you know, it's a miracle. <laughs> so I always have, <laughs> I, I think that made me really grateful for the very small things in life. When you came back from that trip overseas, you've always had a rocky, I guess, relationship with your mum, but it was even more so when you got back as well because during Hey Dad you were making some money from the show and everything and was it a case of where was my money or did things get misplaced? Can we say that? Um, She worked at a bank 
And um, she did some creative financing because she would have me sign papers all the time. But yeah, I came back from overseas and uh, she she had a lovely new house with a swimming pool when I came home from Honduras. So, um, you know, things happen. And that's why in America they have laws that, you know, kids' money mm. has to go into certain, into trust accounts for them, that they don't have that in Australia. So you learned some lessons that, you know, I mean, even she was your mum. And even back in the time when you in Hey Dad, it came up later that she knew what was happening to you. Was that right? Yeah, she got on the stand and she said that she knew um, and she thought I was about nine years old when it happened um, and that her answer was simply for me to stay away from him. Did you know that she knew? Yeah, I mean, I knew she knew because she told me back in the day, you know, things like that she she would tell me just to stay away from him. And then, um, like, Robert's daughter had, like, a, a pixie cut, what it would be a pixie cut now, but back then it was it was kind of not cute. Um, and, you know, she was like, I bet she cuts her hair like that so that he stays away from her. Yeah. So it was obvious to me that she knew exactly what kind of man he was and what he was doing because she said it out loud that she thought that he was doing it, you know, to other kids. can't imagine what, what you went through with your mum. But you moved overseas, you got married to, to Matt, yep. and, and then you got phone calls and emails from Australia about, about this, and you want to do a story for Women's Day about the pitfalls of child stars and warning parents just to be careful and to be aware of what's going on out there. And that just snowballed into snowballed. the story that we know. Um, you, you came back to Australia, you'd done a current affair. It was all over the news here. I guess there was no way of you expecting that and, and to try and, and, and deal with that. And it was almost reliving those awful things again. How did you cope doing those interviews and reliving all that stuff that you thought you, you were buried years ago? I think um, that as a kid actor, you're kind of trained that no matter what happens, that the show must go on. And so you just kick into that mentality of, you know, even if you're doing interviews and you hate what you're talking about, that you just have to do it and power through it and then go home and cry about it later. And so that's pretty much what I did. Um, And then, of course, I got to come to Australia, do the interviews, and then I got to go back home to America each time, which was good and bad because... In the States, nobody knew who I was, and I could, you know, not look at the internet or not look at TV. But, of course, nobody ever does that. They always torture themselves by Googling themselves. But at the same time, I didn't have the support network over there that I might have had here because nobody ever then knew who I was or what I was doing or why I was going through that. So it was a mixed bag of chips there. But it was basically just power through and know that you're trying to do the right thing for other people. And hopefully one day Robert will go to jail, which he did. Yeah, it was really hard, like really, really hard, but you just you just have to put your big girl panties on and do it. Let's move on to the trial because having to, there's of course there's other girls that came that came forward as well, other victims that came forward. For a victim in this situation to relive that again on trial and to be questioned for hours and days and days as you were on the stand, that must have been absolutely dreadful to try and to relive that in such a public way yeah and that was that was the hard and you were the victim and a lot and well and that's the thing is like a lot of the stuff that they bring up on the stand had absolutely nothing to do with what robert did like they were picking me apart for stuff outside of the case like for what who i was now or the like you know having lived in the state they turn around and treated me like i was the bad person um, and they forget that, you know, I'm a victim and I'm just trying to put my 
you know, attacker in jail and they make it seem like I'm doing the wrong thing and they're questioning my motives. Absolutely dreadful. And I'm so pleased that he was sentenced to 10 years, um, nine months, a minimum of six years to serve. There's a final appeal that's pending at the moment. I guess he's still in denial that he did the wrong thing. Do you feel... Yeah, he's just... He's really arrogant, and I don't think he's in denial. I think he just thinks he got away with it for so long with so many people that he can still get away with it. And so, like, because even his appeal is based on the fact that, you know, it's not that I didn't do it. It's just it's not fair that they were allowed to go to court together and tell their stories and have everyone see just, like, you know, that I have, you know, a predatory MO. And, um, you know, so he's, he's not happy. Finally, Sarah, with yourself, I mean, with this, with this appeal pending, I guess, what would be the dream for you as far as this whole situation goes? Would be the dream to be if he was to say, look, you know, I did this, an apology? Either way, whether he apologized, well, he's never going to apologize. Like, I just know he'll never apologize. Um, but, you know, whether he finally admits that he's guilty or um, that they just, you know, they throw it out and they say, you're not going to appeal again. And because this is his final appeal, he can't go anywhere after this. I just, I just look forward to it being over because it's not just me. It's the other girls too, that it, it'll be over and we can all move on. You're actually moving to Florida. Is that right? I was reading the book. Yeah, I read, we, uh, we actually moved um, three days before I came out for the book. <laughs> oh, wow. So you're going back to Florida and you, you're doing these days, you're doing a show combining, is it scuba diving? And, and I had started television. that yeah earlier. Um, I started that uh, before the the whole thing, mm. and uh, I had to put it on hold because everyone said I was just coming forward because I wanted to sell a scuba show. So I just I benched it. Um, <laughs> but I'm hoping I'm hoping now that I'm back in Florida that I'll be able to do like a web series or something because that would be fun. So I guess but the, just for like me. Yeah. So I guess the future for Sam Monaghan is more behind the scenes work. I hope so. Yeah, I don't really like being in front of the camera that much, but I do enjoy behind the scenes. Like producing so. and, and directing and things. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just want to produce a web series about scuba diving and that way I can go scuba diving <laughs> <laughs> and, and put it on camera. That's pretty much it. Well, Sarah, your amazing book is out. It's in stores now. It's called Allegedly and it's a fantastic read. What you've been through is just horrific. But how you've come through the other side and and brought this to the forefront and have let parents know that even today these things are happening and you just got to be really careful and and be aware of what's going on. So thank you so much for writing such a great book and for educating people. Well, thanks for having me on your show. No worries at all. And have a great time in Sydney. When are you going back to the States? Uh, Monday. Oh, well, have a great weekend in Sydney. Hopefully the weather is nice and sunny for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to Luna Park, so it'll be fun. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Sarah. Take care. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.